Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to ToledoCalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Last week, we, we started a new series of messages that we, we've called Essentials because we want to focus these next few weeks on the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and why that is such an essential thing for us to know and to experience. So last week, we talked about five reasons why you need the Holy Spirit. Wednesday night, if, if you were with us, you know we, we had this room probably about as full as I've ever seen it and just a wonderful time in the Lord's presence. We're, we're going to do that the first Wednesday of every month. And so if you weren't able to be with us uh, this last week, we'll do that again on February 6th and just... So thankful for the time that God gave us together in his presence. Today, uh, our special guest is is Dr. David Arnett. I've got probably four or five people in my life that that I am privileged to say that they are my pastor and that they have spoken into my life, that they have encouraged me, that they've given me opportunity that was far beyond what should have been their better judgment. And I am so thankful for that. In uh, in the spring of, of 1995, Dr. Arnett called up Rhonda and I, and, and he said, I'm, I'm going to go pastor a church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Would you, uh, would you like to be on the team? I'm sure he grew to regret that, but I didn't. And uh, I'm just so thankful for the three years we were able to serve with Dr. Arnett at Evangel Assembly of God in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, since that time, he has gone on to be a professor and the academic dean at Central Bible College. He currently serves as the president of North Point Bible College. It's a school in Haverhill, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, that focuses on the training of ministers and missionaries. Um, I am so excited that he's here. And what he's going to share with us today just so perfectly fits in with what we talked about last week and what we're going to look at in the next few weeks in this series. So today, I'm not introducing to you a college president, and I'm not introducing to you an academic or a professor or a teacher. Calvary, I'm excited to introduce to you today my pastor. Would you give a great big welcome to Dr. David Arnett as he comes today? In February of 1970, the president of Asbury College left town to do what presidents do. We tend to travel to uh, raise friends, raise money, and recruit students for the colleges. As he was out of town, he left the chapel in the hands of the academic dean, who was a layperson. And because he was a layperson, he chose not to preach the chapel that day. Instead, he shared his testimony, and then students began to respond. Later in the day, he called the president of the college and said, "Uh, President, we've got a problem. Now, no president who's on the road wants to receive a question or a statement like that from his academic dean. And he said, well, what's the problem? And the dean said, it's chapel. The president said, well, chapel's been over for a long time. And he said, that's the problem. Chapel is not over. And if you know the story of the Asbury Revival, starting on that day, lasting for a whole week, the services never stopped. 24 hours a day, seven days, nonstop. The students began to respond by going forward and asking for prayer as they confessed their sins and their their struggles and their temptations. And then others began to come because God was moving by His Holy Spirit in an unusual way, a unique way. You know, there's regular time and then there's revival time. 
I've been in churches during regular time where I kept checking my watch thinking, seriously, isn't this over yet? (laughs) And then I've been in other services where I look at my watch and think, wow, where did the time go? Something supernatural began to take place. People who were not on campus began rushing to the chapel to see what God was doing. News reporters including television crews, came to check it out. And you can find the videos of the news reports on YouTube to see what in the world is going on, something supernatural. Now, whether or not you would say revivals are a sovereign move of God or it's God responding to the heart cry of humanity, I I don't want to get into that discussion or debate, but something supernatural happened on that day. And as I did research as an incoming president of a college, I shared that on social media and began getting responses from people, responses I didn't anticipate. I shared this story when I was with a pastor in Columbus at a a, uh, Steak and Shake restaurant one evening. I said, have you ever heard about this revival? And he began to cry. And I looked at his wife, and she was crying at the Steak and Shake. They were weeping. Now, I I may make some people, students, cry, but that's, that's usually different than in a casual conversation at a steak and shake. And they looked at me and they said, I know you don't know and you don't understand, but the reason we are so deeply moved is we were students at Asbury when that went on and our lives were indelibly stamped by the power and the presence of God and we have never been the same since. And we are responding to and confirming continuing to fulfill the call of God on our lives to minister to humanity because of the way God touched both of us during that revival. So the response from social media, people started sending me notes saying, February 1970, we remember it well. Now, how many of you can even think back February 1970? Some of you are lying. (laughs) February 1970, that's a long time ago. But people began responding, saying, I remember it well. Some of the alumni from Zion Bible College when it was in uh, North Providence, Rhode Island, began sending me stories of what they had experienced. The same week, in the same year, in the same month, February 1970, God began moving all the way out in Rhode Island. One fellow said, I remember going into chapel the day that it started. I had such a bad attitude. I did not want to be there, but chapel was required, so we had to be there. I sat as far back as I could possibly get. So I'm looking at the people up there in the top tier. <laughs> said I sat up there so I would be out of anybody's line of sight so they couldn't tell that I had such a bad attitude that I did not want to be there. And my thinking was, the first chance I get, I'm getting up and slipping out of here. I don't want to be here. But he said, but God began to move And as God began to move, I thought, I've got to get out of here. I'm so uncomfortable. I need to get out of here. And he said he started to try to stand up, and he couldn't move. It was though somebody had put a supernatural seatbelt around him, and he had to sit there and watch God move. And he recounted miracles that he observed seated there. Others began telling me stories. We remember quite well the day that God began to move on our campus in supernatural power in a revival way. One young lady had been to the doctor. She had some kind of fractured bone in her leg. She had had to have her leg put into a cast. But that day she had requested the students because she felt like God was speaking to her. Please pray for me. 
pray for a miracle. I believe that today's a day for signs and wonders and the miraculous. I believe that God will heal me if you'll pray. They prayed, and then she said, take my cast off. And one of the gentlemen, I interviewed these people later because I wanted to make sure I'm getting the true story and it wasn't just one person's imagination, but it, multiple people confirmed we were there that day. We took the cast off of her leg and she danced back and forth on the platform and confirmed later that her leg had been healed. Yeah. Wow. So then I started compiling other stories and I started sharing those on social media and getting more people responding. People that went to Oral Roberts University the same week said God was moving in might and power. Revival was breaking out there as students were experiencing the presence of God, the power of God, the overflow of the blessings of God. The president of Eastern Nazarene College in Boston called the president of Zion Bible College in Providence, Rhode Island, and he said, I've got a problem and I need your advice. And the president of Zion said, well, what, what, what do you need? And he said, my problem is we have 60 students that have been responding to the presence of God moving on our campus, and they are speaking in other tongues, and I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> Those of you that understand the theological implications of that, so the president of Zion said, well, just let them go. Just let them go. Don't try to fight the work of God. People who were at Central Bible College started sending me notes. One lady said, I remember quite well that same week we had class chapels on a Monday, which meant we met in four different locations on the college campus. Freshmen went one place, sophomores another, juniors another, seniors another. Chapel started early in the morning in those days. And as chapel began to uh, uh, be, proceed, God began to pour out His Spirit. People began to experience the presence and the might of God and respond to Him. They skipped lunch as they were so hungry for what God was doing. Moved into the afternoon. And mid-afternoon, the faculty went to the different sites and said, let's all gather together in the large chapel because God is doing the same thing simultaneously in all four locations on this campus. Let's all gather together. And they talk about it lasting for a week. One individual said, I remember quite well that week, a businessman, a, 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 a truck driver, a vendor, drove onto campus. And when he drove on campus, he so sensed the convicting power and presence of God, he got out of his truck, knelt on the blacktop, and surrendered his life to Christ. And the stories, I'm compiling all these stories, and, and I shared them at Radiant Church in Dublin. And as I did, I looked down, and the pastor who was seated, like right where you're at, was weeping. And I'm beginning to think, this is getting to be a common occurrence. Everywhere I go, people cry. <laughs> and I looked at him, and he said, you don't know, but I was a student at Central Bible College in February of 1970. And I remember what you're talking about quite well. May God do it again. May God show up in might and power and so impact us and so affect us and so transform us that our lives and our service of humanity will never be the same again. Can I get an amen? amen. So I had done all this research. I've spent almost a year doing research, gathering all these stories and compiling them together. When it hit me, February 1970. I was a kid in high school. But it was that same week 
that I went to church in Farmington, New Mexico on a very cold night when they were holding what would have been called revival services with an evangelist. I don't remember anything the evangelist said. All I know is something happened inside me. I was so hungry for God. I wanted more of God. I wanted Him to so fill me and so saturate me, so suffuse me with His presence and power that I went to the altar. Remember the old altars where like it was a piece of furniture, a wooden thing? I went and knelt at that altar, and I began to pour out my heart before God. I began to say to Him, Lord, I want you. I want all of you. I want you to have all of me. So Pastor Gilligan last week talked about reasons why you need the Holy Spirit. Well, today I'm going to tell you the reasons why the Holy Spirit needs you. The Holy Spirit does not turn you into a, to a, a robot, an automaton. He doesn't knock you in the head and take over. It's nothing like that at all. He has given you a free will. In fact, He's giving you the opportunity to cooperate by an act of your will with Him. And that night at the altar... I'm praying, Lord, I will give you everything, everything, all that I am, all that I ever hope to be, it is yours. I surrender my past. I surrender my present. I surrender my future. At that point, I was pursuing a congressional appointment to the Air Force Academy, and I'm laying that on the altar. Lord, here's my future. If it's not for me to serve as an officer in the Air Force, I give that to you. And I, I mean, I just started doing an a mental inventory of all the areas of my life, all the things that were so very vital and important to me as a high school kid. And then I got to the, the big one. What would be so important to a high school boy, high school young man? All right, yeah, you're right, a girlfriend. So I get to the girlfriend. Oh, Lord, <clears throat> let's talk about something else. How about that? You know, can I tell you, it wasn't my, at that point, it was not the wife that I'm married to. I'm, I'm still married to my first wife. Uh, so I asked the class that I was teaching yesterday, how many years do you think I've been married? And one of them said, 48. <clears throat> You're supposed to laugh at that point at how absurd that was. And then I ran the numbers. This year will be 46 years. You think it's going to work out? So I had a long drive from Columbus to Toledo yesterday in the middle of that snowstorm. So what should have been about a two-hour drive turned into a, a three and a half, almost four hours, driving very slow as people were sliding off the road every which direction in front of me. Do the people in Ohio not know how to drive in snow, you know? <laughs> so whatever, you know. So, I mean, they were going everywhere. And I'm just putting along, and I'm listening to easy listening music. Ro uh, romantic songs. And somewhere in the midst of that blizzard, it hit me. I don't think my wife knows how much I love her. So I'm going to send her a quote from Pooh Bear <laughs> later today. If you die, I hope I die 30 seconds after so that I never have to spend one minute without you. Well, that night I fell in love with God. And I was to the point of saying, Lord, whatever, whatever, for more of you, I will give this relationship with the girlfriend. And you've got to keep in mind, I mean, it's a high school relationship, but we're, we're still trying to figure out how to hold hands, you know. So, but, but it would be a big deal, you know. Uh, Lord, I give that to you. And as I went down through that inventory of surrender, yielding in every area of my life, 
something began to happen. And I don't know how to describe it to you other than it's almost like an artesian well. I grew up in New Mexico, so artesian wells are big deals where the water starts gushing up out of the, out of the soil, spraying into the air like a geyser. And that night as I'm surrendering myself, saying, Lord, here, take this, take this, take this. All that I am, Lord, fill me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. It began to bubble up and overflow. And I felt joy. And tears began to flow down my face. And I want to tell you right now, the Holy Spirit deals with this in accordance with our personalities. He doesn't make you become somebody that you're not. Now, let me rephrase that. If you're unholy, He will help you be holy. He'll help you be the best you that you can possibly be. But He created you unique. So we're different. And I I am a different person. I mean, I go to ball games, and keep in mind, I'm from Boston, and in Boston, they're crazy. I mean, everybody there is a Red Sox fan, a Patriot fan, a Celtics fan, a Bruins fan, and I don't even know what half those are, you know. So, but, you know, I've been to the Fenway Park, and let me tell you, those people, they know every statistic for every game uh, from the foundation of the park. They know the dimensions of the park. I mean, they know everything. And when somebody hits a home run in Fenway, it is crazy time shouting and screaming and yelling and carrying on. And I get really excited and say, rah. <laughs> go team, go. That's just my personality. You know, I'm not the super bombastic, outgoing, turned cartwheels down the center aisle of church type of person. I mean, if God is moving in might and power, you can tell it. A tear will trickle down my cheek. The first time I ever raised my hands in worship... I thought I was dying. (laughs) You know, I was actually about like here. Oh, Lord. This is total surrender for me. (laughs) Just my personality. My sister's different. My sister, when she sneezes, it's a serious sneeze. It's it's not one of those feminine, choo, you know, I hate those kind. It's totally unsatisfactory when somebody sneezes like that, ooh, choo, you know, come on. But you don't have to go to the extremes of my sister. I have a twin sister, and when she sneezes, it's, ah-choo! And windows rattle all through the neighborhood. (laughs) Differing personalities. I stick my finger in an electric light socket, and I say, oh, ouch. But not her. Ow! You know, so different personalities. And God deals with us in accordance with our personalities. But that night as I'm filled with the overflowing with that geyser bubbling up inside me, I sense joy and and peace and happiness and relationship with God like never before as he had more of me. Are you with me? Not me having more of him. He had more of me. And it began to bubble over and manifest. I began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave me the ability to speak. And it was not baby talk. It was nothing like that at all. The words were flowing out of me. But I had to, by an act of my will, cooperate with the Spirit. I was so excited, and it so changed me. And keep in mind that my type of personality, I went home, but I was still kind of pumped, you know, woo, but it was like, woo, you know, so I'm, woo, what am I going to do? I didn't want to go into my house, and I didn't want to go into my bedroom. I was still kind of excited, so I parked the car, and I ran laps around the neighborhood, praising God, you know. So it's a good thing they didn't institutionalize me for what they, if people had seen me doing it. But that was just my response to what God was doing in my life as I surrendered to him. That week, wow. Now, keep in mind, from my church background and my theological background, this was a new, new experience, a new thing. And I wanted to know what in the world is going on. Dennis Bennett, 
who was an Episcopal minister, married in the Assemblies of God lady, and she introduced him to the deeper things of the Spirit. And he began studying it, trying to figure out what was going on, and then he experienced it. And he wrote a book entitled Nine O'Clock in the Morning where he talked about his experience. Now, I was trying to determine what is the theological framework for what I have just experienced with the Holy Spirit. And the best place to do that is to go to the Word of God, go to the Scriptures. And I went to the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, I find in chapter 1 that the resurrected Christ, did you get that? The resurrected from the dead Christ. Somebody comes back from the dead and tells you something, you probably want to pay attention. What do you think? (laughs) Especially the hours just before he ascends into heaven. Because he says to his disciples as they were gathered together, do not leave the city of Jerusalem until you'll be endued with power from on high. John baptized you with the Holy Spirit, or baptized you in the water, but you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So stay here, Terry. Wait until you receive the empowering, the filling of the Holy Spirit. So for him, this is an important thing. For you, it should be an important thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So they tarried for 10 days until the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover arrives, and they're all together in the upper room praying when suddenly the Holy Spirit fills the room and they heard what sounded like a mighty rushing wind. And then tongues of fire appeared into the room and settled upon them. And the Spirit, the Bible says, filled them, like my experience, with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability. This is not baby talk. It's not something they conjure up on their own. It's something that the Spirit does supernaturally in them. And they're beginning to praise and worship God in languages they had not learned, even in dialects that they had not learned. And people who heard what was going on began to say, what does this mean? These guys are all from Galilee, but they have the ability to speak in languages they've not studied nor learned, and they're speaking in precise dialects. What does this mean? And one person said, obviously they're drunk. Do you know anything about drunks? They can't even speak their own language clearly. (laughs) So Peter stands up and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me explain to you what's going on here. They are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning takes a real lush to be drunk by nine. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. But this is that which was promised by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your young men and your young women, they shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. This is that. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he preaches this fiery sermon. To which the people say, well, what do we need to do? And he doesn't say, I'm glad you asked, but what he said was, I'll tell you. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Come running to Christ Jesus for salvation. And then you will receive this same gift that was promised to those who believe. The promise is unto you and to your children, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. The fullness of the, of the Holy Spirit, the outflow of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the suffusion in the Holy Spirit is available to all God's people who have made Christ the Lord of their lives. 
So Dennis Bennett, who wrote that book, Nine O'Clock in the Morning, kind of tying it back to the book of Acts, was for me a clarifying moment as I'm reading this book. Ah, I kind of get it. So what goes on in this experience? So the first graphic, please. This is from Dennis Bennett's book, where he kind of explains that in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God, interacting with the human spirit, flows into the soul of human, of the human being, affecting their mind, their emotions, and their wills, and then flows out and is manifest through the physical realm. Okay, I sort of get that, but my mind works a little differently, so I designed my own graphic. Please put that one up, please. The human nature is, and I don't want to get into a debate of the theologians as to whether or not we're dichotomous or trichotomous beings. The truth of the matter is we have spirits, whether or not the spirit soul is one combination, I don't want to debate that. But what I would say is there is the spirit side. There is the soulish side of humanity, which involves the mind, the, the emotions, and the will. And then, of course, there's the physical being. And the physical being is how we relate to the world around us through our five senses. Go to the next slide. In a real sense, our spirit is the part of us that interacts with the spirit realm. When I came to faith in Christ, I suddenly became aware of spiritual realities that I was totally aware of. I was kind of oblivious to before. And I began to have these, uh, I hate to use the terminology because it's a kind of a twisted thing, but uh, I began to sense tremors in the force. Do you, you know what I mean by that? Without going too far into the bizarre theology of Star Wars. <laughs> but I began to sense things that I hadn't sensed before as my spirit was alive and awakened by the indwelling Christ Jesus. Go, to the, go back to that slide, please. And then our soulish side is our self-awareness, how we know ourselves, and how we express even to our own self, our own thoughts, our own emotions, and our own will, and we act uh, on our will. And then, of course, our world awareness is our physical being. I started to put environmental awareness, but it, you would all start thinking politically, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our interaction with the world around us is the physical being. Go to the next slide. So as I'm trying to analyze what happened to me, I recognized that when I was saved, I invited Christ to sit on the throne of my heart, to sit on the throne of my life, to come into the center of my being. Christ Jesus, be my Savior. Become my Lord. And when you do that, you're inviting Christ, who is the second member of the triune Godhead, into our lives. And as we do so, you're receiving the fullness of the Godhead in Christ. So when you accept Christ, you are receiving all of God that there is. Go to the next slide. The triune Godhead is inseparable. You can't separate the Spirit from Christ or Christ from the Father. You receive the fullness of God when you invite Christ into your life. So when I say to you today, yes, you need the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit also needs you, what I'm saying to you is you need to surrender yourself, the totality of your being, to the indwelling Christ who says that He is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And there's a real sense in which the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism from the inside out. Over and over, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. And he adds, keep on being filled with the Spirit. It's because our buckets leak. So keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled and then allow for the overflow of the Spirit. Go to the next slide, please. 
in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to God's Spirit, and He fills us, and He fills us to an overflow. Next slide. Now, I don't know about your experiences with God or your experiences with the Holy Spirit, but I don't just interact with God in an isolated way. As the Spirit begins to fill my spirit, it affects, impacts the soulish nature. As I said to you before, that when God begins to move and I begin to sense His presence and His nearness, I'm touched emotionally. I don't respond the same way some people do. Some people, I've seen people laugh. I've seen people want to dance with joy. For me, I'm deeply moved, deeply moved. And since His presence, hence the tear that trickles down my cheek. Some of you are different. I get that. The Bible actually says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. What I tell college students is, yes, there's freedom. Worship God in that freedom, but your freedom stops at my nose. So when God is blessing you, if you feel like you just want to dance and flail your arms, please don't punch me in the nose as you do so. Christian love and grace is still required. Go to the next slide. So as the Spirit is empowering us, affecting our minds and our emotions and our wills. Paul talks about this. Let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. Let Christ give you his thoughts. Start thinking Christ's thoughts, not just your thoughts. Do you understand that the world is so twisted and demented these days? I mean, seriously? What happened to logic? What happened to common sense? What happened to horse sense? Sometimes I think... Animals are smarter than humans are these days. Uh, trust me, I'm coming from Boston, so I know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> they, they just legalized recreational marijuana shops in Massachusetts. I drive the roads in Massachusetts. The last thing we need are more people smoking marijuana, getting behind the wheels, driving on those roads in the greater Boston area. So many people these days. We need the mind of Christ. We need the thoughts of Christ. We need for Him to fill us with the words of Christ so that when we speak, we speak healing words to other people. We need for Him to check our emotions, to correct our emotions, so our, even our affections are affected by the indwelling Holy Spirit. The things that we value and love and the people we value and love are affected by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And then, of course, by an act of our will, we allow Him to flow through us and out of us. Did you know the Apostle Paul talks to people? He says, do you remember when you were pagans? When you were pagans, you served idols, uh, demonic beings behind idols. You served them. But now that you come to Christ, the Spirit of God indwells you, and you need to give up the idols. Surrender those things. Surrender those things that would take the place of God, the priorities of God in your life. I kind of have the sneaking suspicion that Toledo might like gambling. I'm driving the highway the other day, and I look up, and I see this big, beautiful building off in the distance, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's pretty new. That's pretty big. I wonder what that is. And then I see the sign, casino. Let me just tell you, again, gambling is not what our society needs. We don't need more people addicted to gambling. Did you see the lady that put her, a GoFundMe account on social media. And the reason she was asking people to, to fund her, she needed to pay her utility bills, didn't have any of her money because she spent all of her money on lottery tickets. 
Where's the logic in that? So back with what I'm saying before. As the Holy Spirit begins to flow through us and out of us, he manifests himself. And that's what Paul says next, that the charismata, the gifts of grace, are given to the body of Christ, the people of God, the, the world, through us. So in a real sense, when I say that the Holy Spirit needs you, the Holy Spirit needs me, it's because we become his hands extended. He chooses to manifest himself. Now, I realize he's God, so he could manifest signs and wonders supernaturally, but he's chosen to use his people to do so. You are the instruments of his miraculous. He manifests himself in a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, a word of faith, the miraculous, healings, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, tongues, interpretation of tongues, word of prophecy, administrations, evangelism, apostolic work, prophetic work, pastoring, teaching. He does all of that through us. He's chosen to do that. So he's chosen that if you'll make yourself available to fill you, to flow in you, and to flow out of you to minister to the world. When you look around the world, I would say to you, don't forget that the world needs Christ as manifest in you. And in fact, Paul uses that word. Manifestations of the Spirit through the people of God. If you would yield yourself to Him, He will fill you to an overflowing. And as the Spirit overflows, you will be able to minister in unique, special ways. Some of you have had this experience where the Spirit of God is moving on you or in you, uh, giving you a, an idea, a thought, and you get to be a little nervous about it. Is this of God or is this of me? Should I really go over and speak to my brother or my sister or is this just me? How many of you get really kind of nervous at that point? You start feeling the butterflies in your tummy, uh, your mouth gets dry, your palms get, start perspiring. You know, God, is that really you? Can you give me a sign? And he does. And then you say, can you give me another sign <laughs> that it's really you, that you want me to be ministering to other people through the gifts of the Holy Spirit? But God might be moving on you. Now, I want to stop and tell you, the gifts of the Holy Spirit don't just operate during a Sunday service. The church is the church seven days a week, and he wants to use you to minister to people. And it doesn't have to be this wild, bizarre, sensational stuff where you blow on people or throw your coat at people or whatever, you know, evangelists do on stage. It doesn't have to be that kind of stuff. It can be very subtle. Can you imagine John and Peter going up to the temple to pray? And it's just like a regular day. We're going to go pray. And on their way to pray, they see a man begging for alms. That man's been begging at that location for a long time. And he says, hey, can, would you give me something? And Peter looks at him and says, I'm a pastor. I haven't got anything. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. And he speaks the words the Holy Spirit is giving to him. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says a miracle transpires. As the servant of God is being used by the Spirit of God, a miracle transpires. Faith arises in the heart of that man. And he steps up and begins to walk. And he follows them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, I've seen it depicted in movies, and it's kind of like, well, he follows them in. Well, praise God, I was lame for all those decades, and now I'm healed. Amen. <laughs> Probably kind of like my personality, you know. So we were doing an illustrated sermon some years ago, and I couldn't get anybody to play the, the role of the, 
the man that was begging at the gate beautiful. So I said, let me do it. And keep in mind, this is an introvert playing this role. So I said, let me do it. Because here's what I think probably happened. The next few moments will be supernatural because this is outside of my comfort zone. The guy has been lame all those years. He's identified himself as the lame man who begs. And because of God's people operating in the gifts of the Spirit, speaking a word to him, a word of healing, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Strength comes into his legs. He stands up and he begins walking and leaping and praising God. And he follows them into the temple. been healed. Woo! Let's have a praise time. <laughs> I doubt that he stood there walking and leaping and praising God. They're working again. Now, Peter and John's part wasn't really bizarre and twisted and strange. They just spoke a word. I don't have any money, but if what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. All the sensational part happened because the miracle transpired. All the exciting part happened at that point. All they did was obey. What would God do through you? I know what you're praying right now. Oh, Lord, we want to see miracles. Please use somebody else. <laughs> I'm sure we pay pastor to do that. But pastor's not at your school. Pastor's not in your workplace. Pastor's not in your neighborhood. God put you there. And he wants to use you in accordance with your personality. He wants to fill you. And what he's saying to you is, let me fill you to an overflowing. Cooperate with me in the supernatural. Let me give you five steps. Did you use five last week? Oh, I've got seven. I got you beat. Number one, I want you to know you've got to be truly born again. This doesn't happen if you're not a true born-again believer in Jesus Christ. There is no outflow of the Spirit if you've never invited Christ in. Number two, be certain that you have a right motive. This cannot be done for sensational purposes or so people would look at you and go, wow, what a man of faith and power. She is something amazing. If you're doing it for that reason, wrong motive. You're doing it to serve people because Christ loves them. You look at people not as horrible, defigured sinners, but you look at them as people for whom Christ died. Number three, you need to be fully cleansed. Any sin, any idolatry in your life, you need to deal with it. Confess it and forsake it. Let God, by His Holy Spirit, cleanse you of your unrighteousness so that you can be a truly yielded, holy vessel for His service. Number four, be completely surrendered. Take an inventory like I was describing earlier. Go through the areas of your life things that you've been holding back from Christ's lordship, surrender it to Him. Yield to Him. Cooperate with Him. And then be willing to obey. That might be the hardest part for some of us. Lord, I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass myself. Be willing to be embarrassed if, if necessary. Next, be active. If God is telling you to do something, do it. If you're just sitting there, how can He use you? If you don't speak, if you don't reach out and touch, I encourage college students, if God is beginning to speak to you, the only way I can help you learn how to hear the voice of the Spirit is for you put you in an environment where the Spirit of God is speaking and moving, and when He speaks, you hear, you listen, you obey, you go. 
And then the last one, pray. Lord, here I am. Fill me. Keep on filling me. Filling me to an overflow. Manifest yourself through my life, through my actions, through my deeds, through my words. Pray. Pastor's going to come and lead you in prayer. I invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment. Whether you're here in Auditorium 1 or Auditorium 2, or maybe you're watching this on a screen somewhere, what a great challenge today that we know from what we heard last week that we need the Holy Spirit, but to be reminded today that the Holy Spirit needs us. That's how God chooses to work. And we have the Holy Spirit as followers of Jesus Christ, but the awareness today to ask ourselves the question, does the Holy Spirit have me? Does the Holy Spirit have you? I know where the Lord is, is, is taking us these next few weeks as we move through this series of messages, and I'm so excited that today we have the opportunity to stop for a moment, just say, God, will you use me? God, will you fill me? Lord, I surrender and give myself to you. And so in this moment, would you take an inventory? Think about the things that the pastor just said to us. Consider your own walk and experience with God. And today, are you willing to say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Jesus, you have all of me. God, will you lead me? I trust you trust you to open my mouth in that right moment. I, I, I trust you to lead me in that right direction. I trust you enough to take a step of faith or put myself in a, in, a, in, a, in a place where I can serve someone else. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You have all of me. And Holy Spirit, that's our prayer. As your people, that we wouldn't just rest simply in what you've done for us, but that we would be open to what you want to do in us and through us. Lord, I, I believe that for some of us in this room, what you've done today is, is just continue to stoke a fire that's in us, uh, to, to fuel a hunger that's in us. Lord, to not just live life that's normal, but to live life to the full that out of us would flow rivers of living water, that through Holy Spirit, your work in us, our schools would look different and our, and our work would look different, our homes would look different, our neighborhoods would be different, that our families would be transformed because we're not just living life for ourselves, but we have surrendered ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. May we be aware of your presence. May we be open to your activity. May we not just be content to say that we have all of you until we know that, you've, that we've given to you all of us. May you have a spirit, soul, and body so that our world will be impacted by what you want to do through us and our homes and this church, Holy Spirit. You have all of us here today. Lord, we thank you for Dr. Arnett. 
pray that as he leads North Point Bible College, God, as you, as you use him to raise up ministers and missionaries to serve the church and see people come to you, God, would you give him the resource that he needs? Would you connect him with the leaders that can come alongside of him? God, would you give him physical and spiritual and, 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 and practical strength to do what you've called him to do? I pray for he and Kathy and their family. God, that you just let them know your grace and your power in real ways. And Lord, we look forward to hearing more stories of what you're doing through North Point to impact our world. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're speaking to our hearts. We give all of ourselves to you. As we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary, would you show your appreciation to Dr. Arnett today?